All right, let's talk golf. Our regular contributor on this uh, show and a brilliant golfing mind, David Beleski, rejoins us. It is a huge weekend as, as far as golf is concerned. The Ryder Cup is here. This event always captures the imagination of the golfing world. Mine especially. Absolutely love this one. David, thanks so much for dropping by. You doing all right? Yeah, good, good morning. Yeah, fizzing for, for this, this weekend. Um, it's going to be absolutely awesome. Well, if it's anything like the Solheim Cup, we're in for a treat. How good was that? That finished up at 14 points apiece, didn't it? And do you know what I love about it? In 2023, there's a sporting event is quite happy to have a tie. Yeah, fantastic. And and um, obviously, if you already hold the trophy from the, the previous tournament, you then get to retain it as well if you if it ends all square by the end of the, the tournament. So, um, look, I thought it was fantastic. My, my one question comes, why is the Solheim Cup not played concurrently with the Ryder Cup? I mean, that just, to me, seems a no-brainer. It almost feels like a warm-up event at the moment to the Ryder Cup, and I think that's a real shame because the Solheim Cup over the last few years has pr- produced a more exciting finish than the Ryder Cup. Um, it's been incredible. Incredibly tight. The standard of golf is incredible. It's incredibly compelling to watch, and I don't see. The, I mean, when when you're looking at the format of the Ryder Cup, and there's there's four matches at any one time going out. There's, there's no stretch to make that eight and um, have four Solheim Cup matches going concurrently with the Ryder Cup games. I think that would be very very compelling. Yeah, it would be. And if you've gone down to the last part and the last iterations of the Solheim Cup. I think in the 96-year history, well, I know because I'm reading for the BBC's website uh, of the Ryder Cup, there's just been two drawn matches in 1969 and 1989. Yeah, and it's it's surprising, actually, because even, even when it is a close Ryder Cup, the, the score can actually blow out a little bit. And um, it's only about 27% of the time that when... when Ryder Cups are this close that it's actually a margin of kind of like one to three points. Um, one team can still run away with it. And I think a lot of that comes down to you, you build your advantage over the first couple of days and then whoever's in the singles just actually has to really kind of go for it and try and try and draw the thing back um, when all 12 players are out there um, representing either Team Europe or Team USA and, and go try call back a victory. So it's going to be a very, very compelling event. I'm, I'm interested to see how the course plays and, um, and see um, particularly which pairings get announced this evening. Mm. All right, let's break down these two teams, shall we? Should we start off with uh, the team I always support? I'm Team Europe all the way. Go team, you're right. absolutely. Uh, what what question marks did you have as far as the makeup of um, the team? Uh, you know, prior to the announcement, and and were they answered? Is it strong? Is it vulnerable on parts? You know, all in sundry. What would you say? I think Luke Donald will be absolutely thrilled with this team. I'm I'm Team Europe as well. So glad to hear that you're you're back in the boys. And um, yeah, for me, I at the beginning of this year, if you'd, you'd asked me the same question, I think almost any other golf analysts would agree that Team USA were the dominant side. I mean, they've they've got kind of a dream lineup, and as this this year's unfolded, more and more times passed, and none of them have really turned into great form. And the Europeans have just kind of just developed to a, to a stage where they're actually favourites now. Um, on on majority of bookmakers, and I think that that for me the emergence of Ludwig Aberg was really key. Um, the emerging form of Nikolai Hoygaard as well, um, who's another young star. Them both coming into form was a big factor in that because at the top of the board, they've got arguably the best players in the world at the moment. They've got Victor Hovland, John Rahm, Roy McIlroy, and then you've got some stalwarts and Hatton, Fleetwood, Lowry. 
and then Matt Fitzpatrick, Justin Rose, obviously an older hand who's who's been at the Ryder Cup multiple times now and comes with a wealth of experience. So it was really coming down to those last kind of four spots for Europe for me of how were they going to fill them and it really looked like it was going to raise some question marks. And about two, well, three months ago now, um, beginning of July, we actually backed Europe at $3.10 um, over at Windaily Sports, um, who are right for, and a lot of that came down to the emergence of Olympic Gayberg and Nikolai Hoygaard. Um, who just answered a lot of those questions down that, that further um, sort of 8 to 12 spot on the European team. As far as um, the European team is concerned, of course they can't have or the safety blanket, the security blanket of a Sergio Garcia who's their all-time point scorer, uh, record point scorer at uh, Ryder Cups over 10 appearances. Ian Poulter's not there. He's been, you know, such a... Um, a reliable cornerstone for them over a number of competitions. We, we all know why they're not there this time around, but, you know, that that heart and soul of the team, who do you look towards to sort of, you know, fill those shoes? I mean, I think undeniably Roy McIlroy is the captain of this team now, and that's, that's without question. Um, and I would say that mantle was possibly being handed over in any case. Um Justin Rose, I think as well, is is really key. Um, I wasn't surprised to see him him make the squad, um, not just because of um, you know the, the year that he had. He's had a fantastic year out on the the course, and um, obviously picked up that when people beat earlier in the year as well. But um, just the wealth of experience that he brings, and um, I think that's really important with a couple of these rookies that they've got some of those guys who know what the atmosphere is like and and the pressure that comes with the Ryder Cup. I mean, it's only held every two years. There's a lot of emotion involved. I mean, I was watching an interview with um, Tommy Fleetwood yesterday and he was nearly in tears already and the the tournament hasn't even started. I mean, that's the the passion and energy that comes with the Ryder Cup. Um, There's nothing quite like it. So having some of those guys who have experienced it before and know what it's like and can um, really um, help those younger guys come into their, their first Ryder Cup as rookies um, is going to be really key. Um, I, I do take the point about, about surgery and Poulter. The, the difficulty comes, I mean, Poulter's been out of form for, for so long now, but um, I don't think there was any way he would, he would make the team. Um, you know, guys guys like him, Lee Westwood, Sergio Garcia probably wanted to be in the back room at, at a, a tournament like this. I mean, for me, they've, they've made their choice they knew that this was a choice that they made um, when they resigned their DP World Tour memberships um, or chose to go to Live Golf, um, either or, and that this was that was unlikely that they were going to be involved within this um, this fold. And um, I think that when you're making a choice like that, the rest of the team would have found it very difficult to then invite those guys back into the room since the, the merge has sort of been announced um, tentatively and they're, they're still ironing out the kinks with all of that as well. So I think for them that would have been, um, you know, they, they'd made that choice and stayed loyal to the tour and it could have actually caused some disruption if you'd invited them back into the team room um, at the last minute. David, Louis here. You, you're not going to be uh, shocked or fall off your chair to know that I'm, I'm going to ask you a question that's related to wagering. And I don't want this to count as the three for free, okay? So just give me this as a friend, all right? <laughs> just just don't, don't try and take this one away from us. I have been looking at this long and hard all week. To hit opening European tee shot, everything you just said I agree with. They could not mix the live guys with this group because Rory McIlroy is – has been the bastion for legacy, the bastion for the PGA Tour, for for golf harmony, 
And I can't see a world in which he doesn't stride up to the first tee and, as a symbol, pump one down the middle, 300 and whatever, <laughs> just bombs yeah. one, and he hits the first tee shot, and I'm getting $4.50. It's an absolute no-brainer, mate. Lock it in. <laughs> yes, boys. All righty. That's all. Back to you, Daniel. I just needed to hear That's it. it. I, just needed oh, a, I just needed a bit of reassurance. Shut it down. Done. Three for f- <laughs> three. What's going on here? I, I'm, I'm ill-prepared. I'm out of form. I know he's got the knowledge of all the oil, but does it, does Louis, is Louis basically trying to get you to give something up for free every time, David? Is that fair? Yeah, basically. That, that's basically yeah, the, the deal, mate, is I come on and, and I, um, I give out some. I, I generally have about six to eight golfers on my card every week, and um, we've been running a segment during the, the tournaments where I'll, um, I'll give out three of those um, plays, whether it's top 20s or outright winners and things like that. And what I, what I will do count. just so that... the just but didn't, count. didn't count apparently. So no, um, but, but I, I love the the take, and, and I'm amazed actually that they've um, reopened the the to hit opening tee shot um, markets because they got absolutely creamed on it last time, and it seems like they're probably going to get smashed on it again this time as well. So <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that's absolute uh, no brainer for you, dear Louis, and uh, don't mind that four dollars fifty at all. But in regards to the three for, for free, you'll uh, unfortunately have to wait until after the the parents get announced this evening, and then. Um, I can flip them through to Louis and he can announce them from the sports desk for you tomorrow. Nice, I like the sound of that. Um, let's talk about maybe the course as we get to know it a little bit more intimately. How, how's it going to set up and is the rough as rubbish and harsh as previous European locations? Yeah, it's it's been interesting um, listening and reading to the rhetoric about this course this week and, and I guess because the, the company that I write for is based in the United States, a lot of that gets generated from there. And, you know, we've had the benefit of watching this course over the last few years on the DP World Tour. It's played host to the Italian Open. And there, there seems to be a really a, a big advantage to being a very, very strong driver on this golf course. Um, I know that Europe generally loves to have these sort of like niggly narrow tests where you have to be very positional and you have to find a few ways off the tee and be very cautious and um, you know maybe club down and just make sure that you find the short grass um, and they'll narrow it up as much as they can. Well, this 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 year the European team's actually longer driving than the American team, which I think is amazing. Um, so it's not necessarily going to be that same setup. I, I do think the rough is going to be incredibly penal, and um, that's what I'm hearing. And it also just, it's, there's only about three yards from the edge of the fairway before you hit the really kind of thick fescue. So don't get me wrong, driving actually is going to play a very big part, but there is a real, real advantage to being a bomber off the tee here. We've seen that with the list of winners who have won around here. Um, Nikolai Hoygaard, Robert McIntyre, they're both on the European team, so they bring that knowledge and um, call some of them. But McIntyre was um, certainly the 13th man on that European team. Had they been able to select one more, he would have been on that plane as well. And they're just all extremely good drivers of the golf ball, and they're all very, very long. And I think that that is going to be really key here. It gives you um, a wealth of options in terms of um, what holes you can go and attack. And the, the other advantage that I see for Europe as well is they've got Eduardo Molinari within their camp too. And um, Dodo's a real stats guy like um, myself, and um, he actually on the side has his own business basically providing data analytics to a lot of these players. And having him in the camp, 
in, in something like the Ryder Cup where you can work out, for example, which tees the best in um, foursomes for, for players to hit off. Um, you know, who's better leading out on the odd holes, who's better leading out on the even holes, where, what gives them the, the statistical edge there, which are the best pairings to put together, who's going to complement their games the best and, and give them the, the biggest chance yeah. of getting victory. I think that that is going to be a, a real key um, to what I think is going to be a European success this Ryder Cup. David Bolesky is with us. You can follow him at Deep Dive Golf, of course. Um, we don't know the matchups. We don't know the pairings, rather. Um, what's your dream pairings? Maybe one from each side. Like, like for me, one would be John Rahm. I'm a massive John Rahm fan. Always have been a John Rahm fan. John Rahm for life. So I would pair him with the smallest guy on the team so he could just throw him around when he, when he <laughs> celebrates. That would be fantastic. That, that's the type of intellect that I have. Uh, what, what are your dream pairings, David? Well, I, I think from the American side, it reads pretty clearly for me who the, the pairings are going to be. Um, you've you've obviously got um, some established partnerships in there, right? You've got Xander Schauffele, Patrick Hanley, they're going to play together. Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas are going to play together. Um, Scotty Sheffield, Sam Burns are definitely going to play together. And Max Homer and Colin Makawa are going to play together as well. So um, I guess out of the, the rest of them, you maybe get like a Clark Fowler um, and... Um, Brian Harmon being paired up as well with um, Brooks Kepka possibly or, or a Clark Kepka. So, I mean, those last four, you know, give or take, they can switch around a bit. Um, and bear in mind, you've only got four matches going out. So, um, so they'll they'll pick their strongest four from them. Um, I think particularly Spieth and Thomas, I don't think that we'll see them um, until the afternoon um, where they're, they're obviously playing um, the, the four ball where where the best score on each hole counts. I think that's just given the form that Spieth and Thomas have been in. I don't think they'll necessarily roll them out there straight away in foursomes where it's a lot more um, difficult and you're you're basically playing alternate shots. So whoever hits off the tee, um, the next player will then hit their iron shot, etc. So I think that you might see them later in the afternoon um, for the four ball where it's um, a little less risky in a way of, you know, if one of them can make a birdie, then that's going to be their score for the whole. Um, Europe, Europe raises some more questions, um, just because I think there's so many different routes they can go. Um, I would love to see a John Rahm, Terrell Hatton pairing. Um, I just think that mm-hmm. they're both extremely fiery personalities and yes. Yes. Um, would get absolutely ramped up um, between the two of them. So I think that would be a very, very interesting watch. Um, I've said on the this, this show recently that Rory McIlroy Ludwig Aberg seems like a really obvious pairing for me. I really hope we get to see that. They're both so strong off the tee. They really complement each other's game. And I think the experience of Rory um, combined with Ludwig could be a really good combination. Um, and yeah, I think that uh, Robert McIntyre and Nikolai Hoygaard, if we're looking at the two rookies, again, two very strong drivers, both one at this golf course and got a good record on this golf course. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a Nikolai Hoygaard, Robert McIntyre pairing, and I think that would actually be a really good pairing um, in terms of what's going to fit this golf course. They'll probably be underdogs against whoever they go up against, and that would probably be one of the games that I'll be targeting, um, depending when odds gets released um, on what comes out on that line. I like the sound of Hatton and Johnny Rahm. An angry, combustible combination. Almost as angry as Ian Smith would be if he's unable to find uh, coverage of the Ryder Cup in India, right, uh, Louis? Uh, <laughs> oh, oh his Smithy. Smithy, like, Smithy would trade eight days, or oh, maybe six days of curries for a coverage of the Ryder Cup, and he loves curries. So, um, yeah, he'd be spewing. 
Brilliant stuff, David. Thanks so much for dropping by, mate. We look forward to receiving those three for free uh, tomorrow. Louis might not even you know, pass it on via the sports bet <laughs> desk. He might just put it in his back, put, put it in the sky rocket and bugger just, off. Hey, boys, just whatever you do, just Rory McIlroy steps up, just spits one up the guts and fills our accounts. I'm, tell, I'm putting that down. That's better the weekend. Lock of the weekend. Seriously. Yeah, and the, the odds are, are very, very generous. Well, I'm sure that, that Louis's got his pencil sharpened and his pen at the ready. <laughs> David, go well, mate. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Thanks, team. Have a good one. Enjoy it.